Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. continue in our series on community. And this series um, is just two weeks old. And so today we are going to talk and look at the story of the Good Samaritan. We're going to look at the Good Samaritan and learn from him, learn from this story that Jesus told. And so we see a lot of uh, Bible stories and they're real people, they're real characters. Uh, This one here is actually a story. It's just a story that Jesus, he makes up on the spot because he's teaching and there's a leader there. There's a leader who is what they say is an expert in the law. And he comes to Jesus and he, in, during Jesus' uh, teaching and he just kind of interrupts him or maybe it's a Q&A time and he just interrupts Jesus and he just asks the question and starting at Luke 10, verse 25, he interrupts it, stands up and just says, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Isn't it true that when we're told to love our neighbors, if we're honest with each other, how many of us, well, maybe not a show of hands, but how many of you would like to handpick those neighbors? How many of us, when it says, love your neighbors, how many of us would like to just be like, well, technically, I don't think that's my neighbor. I think this is my neighbor. We want to handpick our neighbors. We'd like to handpick our coworkers. We'd like to handpick our family. But we are told to love our neighbors. And so he asked, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan... As he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. And then Jesus asked the question, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, many of us, we know this story. Many of us, as soon as you hear the Good Samaritan, even if you're not in church, you hear the Good Samaritan, you just understand some of the story already and you just know you're supposed to love and you're supposed to look after but I don't know if we comprehend what Jesus is, when Jesus is telling this story, we have to understand that when he talks about a priest, and he talks about a Levite, those are Jews. 
They should be looking after each other. They should be caring for one another. And then when Jesus says the Samaritan, you have to realize that the Jews and the Samaritans, they didn't dislike each other. They hated each other. They absolutely hated each other. So when Jesus talks about the Samaritans, he is using the, what the Jews would ex- understand as the worst example and should not be helping. See, the Samaritans, they actually believed that they were the true descendants of Israel and the keepers of the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, which is Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, sorry, Genesis, Exodus Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These are the books that they believe they are the rightful keepers of. So during the New Testament, their main religious site was Mount Gezerimah. And this is where they believed that they were supposed to worship, not in Jerusalem. And we understand this. We see this in John 4 when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, when she brings up the different ideas of worship spots. We understand that they have these different opinions And we understand the Samaritans and the Jews hating each other so strongly because they actually believe that the Jerusalem temple and the priesthood were illegitimate. They didn't honor them at all. So needless to say, this caused a little friction between the two. Their biggest disagreement was where Yahweh should be worshipped. And the Samaritans actually took their name from the phrase keeper of the law. They named themselves the keeper of the law to actually emphasize how much they believe this. And we see a few times in scripture, if you're reading through, you'll read and see the tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. Because we see it where we just talked about with Jesus, with the woman at the well. Also, if you read Luke 9, I find this very interesting. If you read in Luke 9, Jesus was going to stay in a Samaritan village. But they wouldn't let him stay there because he was a Jew. And the hate between them was so much that his disciples, James and John, when they were leaving this village because they weren't allowed to stay there, they asked Jesus if he wanted them to call down fire from heaven and destroy the village. This is the level of hate between these two. And so we can understand that when Jesus is using the Samaritan as the example of who a good neighbor is, this takes the whole story and changes it a little bit. And so today I want to talk about what can we learn from the Good Samaritan? What can we learn from the Good Samaritan story? And so the first thing that we can learn was the Good Samaritan was willing to get involved. The Good Samaritan was willing to get involved. See, here's the thing. Every one of us in this room, we might be able to quote scripture, We might be able to quote scripture on love. We might be able to quote scripture on how much God cares and and loves people. But unless we're willing to get involved in people's lives, unless we're willing to get involved in things, we're only blowing smoke. Or as, as Paul says, we're a sounding gong if we don't have love. See, the Samaritan, he treated the men's wounds. He bandaged him. He looked after him. He set him on his own donkey. And he took him to an inn and took care of him through the night. The Good Samaritan didn't walk by and say, well, I give to the church or I give to the Salvation Army or I give to these different things, although you should. He didn't say, well, I've done this long enough. Somebody else can do this. In verse 
33, it says, he had pity or compassion, and then he acted. He got involved. I remember when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I was driving home uh, from visiting a friend in Carlton Place. And I left, and I forget what time I left at, but just outside of Carlton Place, there's this huge bend in the road. And as I came around the bend, I could see a truck out in the field. And I could see people kind of stumbling from it, and I could see a person laying down, and I saw another car had stopped, and he was getting a big bag out of his car, and I pulled over and I stopped. And it was an off-duty paramedic. And he said when he met them on the road, he just knew they weren't going to make the corner, so he turned around. And so we went out into the field, and there was people hurt all over the place, and um, there was a shoe in one place. And I remember the scene, and I remember he immediately got me to help. And I had done first aid training with the military and stuff, and so he got me just... I sat there for, honestly, it was about an hour and a half, and all I did was on my knees holding a girl's neck just holding her head in place so that she wouldn't move, waiting for other paramedics to show up and, and ambulance and fire trucks show up and they start to help and they start to look after people. And, and all I can think of is in my head, and this was before, I'm going to age myself for all the teens in the room, this was before cell phones. So all that I'm, my parents know, all that my mom knows is that I left at a certain time and the drive from Carlton Place to my home is about an hour and a half. And I've been at the scene for at least that. And so I get up and I finally am able to go and I get in my car and I leave. And I remember when I got home and walked through the door, my mom was very um, nervous. She was scared. She had already called my friend's place to see what time I left. And they confirmed that I left at the right time. And of course, I come through the door and I don't realize what has happened, but I have blood on my shirt, which was not mine. And so my mom immediately freaks out. And I'm able to calm her down and let her know it wasn't me. It was somebody else, which had some explaining to do as well. But there's times in our lives where God is going to interrupt. And we talked about this last week, about a godly interruption. That he's going to force us to stop. And we're going to have to get involved. We're going to have to sometimes get our hands dirty. And we're going to invest in people's lives. We may need to get dirty. We may need to be sweaty. We learn this from the Samaritan who stopped. We automatically have to think the Samaritan was on the road. He was going somewhere. He had a meeting. He had an appointment. He had somewhere to be. And he spent the whole time with this person until it says the next day. James 2, starting at verse 14, says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Such faith can such faith save them? So suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If someone says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. The good Samaritan got involved he invested. Where does God want you to get involved? Where do you need to get involved? Last week, I had you text somebody to spend time with them and invest in them. If you didn't do that or if you haven't yet, where is he asking you to get involved? Maybe he's asking you to get involved at the church, but where are you getting involved in people's 
lives. You should be doing both. Number two, the Good Samaritan ignored labels. The Good Samaritan ignored labels. See, the Samaritan would have known that he was helping a Jew. He would have known that he was helping a Jew, and, and he had to ignore the hate and the disagreement that he was taught his whole life. He had to set that aside and see a person and see a need and meet it. John 13, 34, 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. See, just as we know that not everyone who says they are a Christian is a follower of Christ, their their life might not be fruit of it. And some of those people, whether they're a Christian or non-Christian, whether their ideas or their culture or their race are different than ours, it does not make them our enemy. And we are to love. See, here's the thing that our society forgets. We can actually disagree and still be friends. We can disagree and still hang out. We can disagree and still love one another. And we have to begin to show our society, show our world, that even though we might disagree, it does not change the way we love. Our actions need to speak louder. We are called to love everyone. Matthew 28, 19 to 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the end of the age. We talked a little bit last week about the idea of what if. What if God still does these things? What if the Holy Spirit wants to fill you? Here, the parable of the Good Samaritan teaches us to help those in need, even if. Even if they don't believe, even if they're different than you, even if they don't like you, we're still called to help them and minister to them. The challenge was no easier for those who were listening to Jesus tell this story than it is for us today, possibly. And it seems to be impossible But just remember, we quote this scripture all the time, that through God, all things are possible. It's actually possible for you to love those who disagree with you. The third thing the Good Samaritan did was the third, the Good Samaritan was generous. The Good Samaritan was generous. The Samaritan didn't know how long the injured man would be laid up for. But remember the text said that they left him for dead. They left him half dead. I imagine that if somebody was left half dead, if they were putting them somewhere to be nursed back, to be looked after, it's not going to be a one or two night stay. And the Good Samaritan just said, I will repay you when I come back, but look after him. It was a long stay. Basically, the well-being of this stranger was more important to the Good Samaritan than whatever else was on his schedule, whatever else he saved up for, whatever else he was planning for. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above ourselves. To be a good neighbor, we need to put others above ourselves. 
To be a good Samaritan, we need to be a good neighbor. We need to uh, manage our finances well. We need to be able to meet needs. So if we have our finances in order, we're actually able to bless others. If you struggle with looking after your finances, we have a resource called Right Now Media that if you're not a part of that, I would suggest emailing info at Bethel Stratford, and we will get you connected with Right Now Media. And there's incredible teachings on there about finances. There's a gentleman on there named Dave Ramsey, and you pay hundreds of dollars to take some of his courses, and his teaching is on there for free. One thing that I learned that things in my finances won't change if I make more money. It actually comes down to how I manage my money. And so for me to be generous, for me to have a heart of generosity, I need to learn how to manage that thing. And here's the thing I do believe. I believe everyone in this room and everybody watching online wants to be generous. I truly believe everybody wants to have a generous heart. And so we just need to do our part. We need to bless people We need to bless someone with a way you're praying to bless them. Ask God how to bless them. But be generous with your time and be generous with your money. The fourth thing was the Good Samaritan had a good name. The Good Samaritan had a good name in his community. He had a good name in the area. How do we know that? How many of us were able to walk into a hotel, put somebody in there, have somebody look after them and say, don't worry about it. The next time I'm coming through town, I'll look after the bill. This lets us know that he already had a good reputation because the person at the inn trusted that he would pay it. Our name in our community matters. Your name with your neighbors matters. Your neighbors of opinion of you should matter to you. Because our name, your name, and your word, it matters. Matthew 5, 37 says this, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Jesus is saying that if you said yes to do something, make sure you do it. If you said no, you're not going to do something, make sure you don't do it. Our reputation actually needs to be Christ-like. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in sight of God and men. Our reputation should be one of love. When our neighbors hear our names, they should know it as a loving person, a caring person. Loving our neighbors and being a good neighbor will win favor with others and with God. We just need to be kind. Some of us just need to care more about our neighbors than our lawn or our flower beds. We need to care more about our neighbors than our own property. I remember as we were moving from one end of town to the other end of town, our neighbors were asking as they were walking by and they saw the for sale sign, they would come up to us and and they would ask me this. A lot of them didn't know our names, but they would walk up and be like, aren't you the popcorn guy? Because on Halloween, I set up a big popcorn machine in my driveway and I hand out popcorn and and coffee and hot chocolate to the adults. And I said yes, and they're like, my kids are going to miss you. And so even though they didn't know me, even though they didn't know who we were, they just knew that we were a nice house. And I understand that you're like, no, they knew you because you handed out popcorn. Well, yes. But I also talked with them and shared love. So 
reach out and love your neighbors. Seize opportunities. Being a good neighbor is someone who is trustworthy and loving. The Good Samaritan, the fifth thing, and the last one, the Good Samaritan didn't search for a reward. He didn't search for a reward. See, when there, when there are no obvious benefits for the Samaritan to help the fallen man, our, our human nature, if we're truly honest with each other, our human nature makes us more willing to be inconvenienced or help someone when there's a reward at stake. Right? Like how many of us are willing to get involved when it's like, well, I might actually get a reward here. We're more willing to be involved. Maybe the reward for us is impressing someone or or bringing attention to ourselves. Maybe we think our good deed could bring a financial reward to us. When there's something in it for you, your actions aren't in the spirit of the Good Samaritan message. The best reward that comes from helping someone is when there's nothing in it for us at all. It's knowing that my actions, your actions, are actually just pleasing to God by caring for his people. When you care for somebody and nobody knows, when you bless somebody and nobody knows, you're actually doing something pleasing for God. Jeremiah 17.10 says this, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his doing. The Lord knows my heart, the Lord knows your heart, he knows our motives. See, here's the thing, some of us will, will go to a default of hospitality isn't really my gifting. That's somebody else's gifting. So-and-so is really good at blessing others and meeting their needs. But the Bible actually calls for all of us to do this. So if you're in the room or online and you're like, well, this really isn't my gifting. I'm not sure how to bless. Here is how we get better at this. When you come to a situation and you already have that prompting that you're supposed to do something, but you're not sure because maybe it's not your gifting. It's not an excuse to bail out. What you do is you ask this question. When you're sitting here right now and you're like, well, Chad, I know so-and-so is really good at this. In that moment, you ask this question, what would so-and-so do at this moment? And then you do that. You do what you know the other person would do, and then what's going to happen is it's going to become natural to you, and you will become good at it. If it's bless, then you bless. If it's invite, then you invite. If it's an invest, you invest. But all of us need to do something. Galatians 6, 9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. In verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people. If you're already doing these things, if you're already blessing, if you are a good Samaritan, then keep going. Don't give up. That neighbor who you're investing in, continue. It will bring a harvest. And then Jesus said in Luke 10, 36 and 37, which of these three do you think 
was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. And the expert of the law are all of us in the room because it's very easy to figure out. Every one of us knows it's the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says to every one of us, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your presence. Lord, I pray that you help us to see those in need. Spur us on, Father, to be a good Samaritan, to meet needs. Lord, help, help all of us to be get better with the resources that you've blessed us with so that we can bless others. I pray, Holy Spirit, for a changing in our hearts towards those who maybe are different than us, maybe have different beliefs, maybe come from different places. Help us to see them the way you see them. Holy Spirit, help us to touch the hearts the way that you would touch them. Let us see with your eyes. Let us be obedient. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask you to change our hearts. Let us be good Samaritans for you. Let us love others. And, Lord, help us to be a light for you. Keep us safe as we go today. And, Lord, use us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 